Okay. So if you've been here for any amount of time, you'll be catching that a big part of our vision is that anyone can be anointed by the Holy Spirit to walk, serve, and move in power. That anybody who believes can do the signs that Jesus says would follow those who believe. That it's not the special minister who does the stuff, but it's the special family that does the stuff. It's the brothers and sisters who get to do the stuff. And so, you can walk in power. You can heal the sick. You can prophesy life. Not just half an hour on a Sunday morning, but all of life. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're the ambassadors of the king. We're the ambassadors of the kingdom. And releasing the supernatural is normal Christian life. What we've experienced in the church in the West is not normal. Okay? Powerlessness is not normal Christianity. Releasing the supernatural is normal. Do you believe that? Amen. Yes. Yes. So, let's just have an overview of the book of Acts, which will absolutely convince us that releasing the supernatural is normal. Okay? Walking powerless is abnormal. Acts chapter 1, the disciples are talking to angels. Acts chapter 2, they hear a wind, they see fire above heads, they speak in tongues and they appear drunk. Acts chapter 4, they're having a prayer meeting and they have their own private earthquake, get filled with the Holy Spirit again and get fresh boldness. Acts chapter 5, they notice that Peter's shadow heals people. That's a fun day. (laughs) Acts chapter 7, Stephen sees heaven open and sees Jesus. Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria, a revival and great joy breaks out. Philip, an evangelist, on his own, changes a city. Wow. One person. Acts chapter 9, Saul sees a light, is blinded, has an encounter with Jesus. Acts chapter 10, Peter falls into a trance, sees a sheep coming down and hears a voice rise up. And there's interaction with God within the trance. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius has an angelic encounter. Acts chapter 12, Peter is in jail and an angel releases him. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail, worshipping at midnight. There's an earthquake and all their chains fall supernaturally off. Mm. Acts chapter 9, handkerchiefs and aprons have an anointing upon them. (laughs) To such a level that people touched them and got healed. Let's all say this, it's not that hard to be anointed. It's not not that that hard to be anointed. anointed. Even a handkerchief can do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right? Acts chapter 20, Paul, a prisoner, is bitten by a poisonous snake and nothing happens to him. Normal Christianity. Powerlessness is not normal. Our assignment, should we accept it, if ever remember that, Mission Impossible, your assignment, church, should you accept it, very free not to, (laughs) 
Your assignment, should you accept it, is to invade the impossible with the limitless resources of heaven. That's our assignment, should you accept it. To invade every sphere of influence we come into with the limitlessness of heaven. To see everything through the limitless lens. This can change. God can supply. God can heal. God can change the atmosphere here. God can save my husband or my wife. God can heal that sickness. God can break into that set of circumstances. To such an extent that we see the impossible as being logical. The impossible becomes logical. And that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. And what I want to talk about this morning is how we can walk in releasing the supernatural in a sustainable way. Okay, so in a sustainable way. Because there's something very, very exciting about the miraculous. There's something very, very exciting about about meeting somebody who's got a frozen shoulder and you pray for them and their shoulder gets frozen outside the train station. There's something very exciting about seeing God move outside. (laughs) There's something exhilarating about it. But what we don't want is it to be a fad and to be something that we temporarily did, but we want it to be something that we grow in, grow in, grow in, grow in, so it becomes just normal. So the supernatural and the kingdom of God being released through us just becomes normal, everyday life. And so the impossible becomes logical. I want you to read some verses to you that I think uh, are absolutely crucial to both sustaining a supernatural move of God and seeing an increase in a supernatural move of God. Because what we're seeing now is but the first blossoms on a tree and we celebrate everything that we see but this is just the first budding of what God is going to be doing in our community and we want to know how to sustain it and how to grow in it Galatians 5, 6 For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So before it says it's the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, what he's saying is, I don't care what your rules are, whether it's this set of rules or that set of rules, rules do not lead you to God. They don't make you righteous. They don't make you clean. Some people were saying you've got to be circumcised. Some people were saying you, you don't have to be circumcised. Paul is saying, well, circumcision or uncircumcision don't count for anything. It's only faith in the finished and complete work of Jesus Christ that counts for anything. And then that faith comes and expresses itself through love. And so we want to talk about that verse. Faith works through love. Faith expresses itself through love. 
You see, we want everything we do to be grounded in love. Not the, not the idea that we're just after another sensational testimony that we can put on our belt and say, let me tell you about what I did, let me tell you about this story, let me tell you about all the circumstances. The only thing that counts is faith in him manifest in love. I do believe that where the uh, whole energy is about, I want another testimony, in the end I think that fades out and burns out because in the end... We just get exhausted. But I do believe that a foundation of love is a foundation that takes you to greater and greater and greater breakthroughs. And so, this faith, where does faith come from then? Where does faith to believe for the power of God come from? Faith is a byproduct of hanging out with Jesus. Faith is a byproduct of seeing, hearing, touching, listening to his voice, receiving his love. Faith is a byproduct. It's not a work that we seek to produce for ourselves. Faith is a gift that comes from God, from being in his presence. It's as you're with him and looking at him and beholding him and seeing him and trusting him that faith comes. Hebrews says, um, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith. And actually, it comes as a byproduct of actually believing that Jesus is who he said he is. That when we believe that he is who he said he is, when we believe that he's done what he said he's done, faith gets ignited in our heart. Faith is a gift. It's not something that comes about from trying harder. It's something that's given to the heart by Jesus. In his, in his presence, we realise that we're made secure. That actually he loves us just the way we are. Amen. And faith in that gets birthed in his presence you actually really love me as you hang out around Jesus you get secure in his love faith gets birthed, actually I am a child of God I am accepted in the beloved I have got an inheritance I am clean, I am without blemish the cross really has said it all it really is the last word on all of my failure on all of my sin, on all of my limitation Faith gets birthed in the presence of God where we see his eyes and think, you really do love me. You really do love me. And that this faith gets birthed where I'm secure. I've got nothing to prove. I've got nothing to lose. And faith gets birthed in that place. His love brings barriers down. We've been singing about that. His love brings walls down in our heart. It brings walls down about where we find our own self-protection, where we hide, where we look to uh, keep ourselves safe. His love brings walls down. And who Jesus is in us will be who Jesus is through us. You see, this releasing the supernatural is not just another plate that we spin in our Christian lives, another activity that we do. It's not now... We, we have reading the Bible, prayer, coming to church and, and release the supernatural. Where maybe 20 years ago it was prayer, reading the Bible and door knocking. This is not just another thing, another thing that Christians put on their to-do list. It's an overflow, it's the dynamic of being filled with a revelation of his goodness, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his grace... That fills our heart as we have an encounter of who God is and what is like that then begins to leak out all around us. Who God is for us will be who he is through us. If we believe he's a harsh, 
critical, judgmental, punishing kind of God, that will be who he will be through us. So we need a biblical revelation of actually who God is, what God is like, so that faith gets birthed. Who he is in us will be who he is through us. And so in these moments of loving him and encountering him, we find our hearts get transformed. And as our hearts get transformed, what we find is that faith works through love and we begin to live it out. It's like it starts in our heads and it goes into our heart and then gets to our feet. Yeah? You start to realise, wow, he really does love me. The cross really has made me spotless. I really do have an inheritance. He really is my father. I really do get to call him Abba. All is well and all is secure because he is good. He's dropping into my heart. I'm rushing into his presence. I'm enjoying who he is. And now my feet are beginning to tingle because there's people to tell and there's people to release this revelation to around me. This thing has to have expression in love. It needs to be released all around me. One of the great footballers of all time, Gianluca Viale. We know he's Italian, uh, but we're going to celebrate other nations and other cultures and their wonderful, beautiful football. He said something yesterday that I found really profound. He said this, Italians don't play with any pressure. And he said, that's not so with the English. He said... For four years, you believe that nothing will happen with your national team. And then one month before, you believe they can win the World Cup. And so you heap all this pressure on them. And so there's pressure of expectation, he said. We're expecting you to bring back a trophy from Brazil. Then, he said, pressure builds because there's scrutiny. We're watching everything. A critical nation. Oh, he didn't play well. Bad choice, bad choice. Should have picked him. He's not good enough. Well, well. And then there are consequences. Pressure is expectation plus scrutiny plus consequences. If you fail, if you make a mistake, if you get a red card, if you don't win, you will be hounded and criticised in the press for a whole year. He says Italians don't live like that. He said when he played for Chelsea and they played for Man- he pl- played Manchester United, he said they were, there was no pressure. It was fun, he said. And he said it will be fun for the Italians tomorrow night because there's no pressure. Because there's no, yeah, there's expectation, but there's not scrutiny, there's not consequences. I, I just think the kingdom of God is not a kingdom where there's pressure. It's not God looking on and saying, church... I've got expectations of you to release the supernatural. And in my book, I've got a quota for you of how many healings, resurrections and salvations I'm looking for. And I want you to fulfill them. And I'm scrutinising you. And the Holy Spirit is looking and he's everywhere. And he sees your fear. And he sees that missed opportunity that you didn't take. And there will be consequences. (laughs) So yeah, you better live with pressure. That's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom works like this. There's a father in heaven who really doesn't need our help. He's been 
managing humanity for thousands of years. And he wasn't holding his breath until we were born. He wasn't thinking in 2014, there'll be people who can walk in all of this. He's the kind of father who says, do you know what, I want to hang out with you. And so I'm calling you to co-labour with me. Have you ever carried a table with a a three-year-old and and you want them to feel like they're carrying the table? You carry most of the weight, don't you? (laughs) You say, oh, I'm glad you're here because this wouldn't work today. I'm glad you're carrying it with me. He wants us to be with him. He, He loves us being with him. The older brother in Luke 15 says, I've slaved for you all my life and you've never given me a party. And then the father says, actually, I just wanted you to be with me. You're with me always, and you can always have a party whenever you want. There's no pressure in this kingdom. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So how much can we do? Nothing. Can you heal the sick? No. Can you raise the dead? No. Can you prophesy life? No. Can you bring anybody to a convincing revelation of Jesus? No, well, you can actually try and make them fearful and make them look like they have, but really you can't bring a revelation that only the Spirit can do. So since you can do nothing, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. And what pleases the Father? Faith. So when, when is he pleased? In the moment you just say, yeah. He's not pleased about the result because he's doing the result. He's pleased in the moment you say, yeah, Father, and you see the sick and you offer to pray for them or you just love unconditionally in your office and you you just do these things by faith because you've seen him and you've been with him and you know what he's like. And he's pleased in that moment. Not the moment of success, because that's his bit anyway. So we get the joy then of encountering him, being loved by him, and then faith working through love. We get the joy of giving people a taste of Jesus. That's our assignment. We're lovers of Jesus, and we break off a bit and give a bit. We break off a bit and give a bit. We break off a bit and give a bit. I want to tell you about a couple of stories about a lady called Gemma, who has five children and lives in a two-bedroom flat, and can't get a house. And Jesus says on a treasure hunt, I want you to find, I want you to speak to a person who's got a double buggy. That was the clue in treasure hunting. So you're thinking, there must be lots of double buggies. We were walking for 45 minutes looking for a double buggy, and there's no double buggies around. We, we, We just could not find a double buggy anywhere. So we're coming back, just about to come back after and a double buggy comes down the road and we run think we've been looking for this double buggy for an hour or 45 minutes go to speak to this lovely lady who we ask is there anything you need God to do and she just said I know this sounds lame but I need a house and one of our clues was house and we just got to pray with her and say actually Jesus loves you and he knows about your house circumstance. And we've been looking for you for 45 minutes to tell you that he knows you and knows about your circumstances. I'll tell you about a lady called Rosalind, who the clues was pink house. And you know, it's Rochelle's clue, pink house. And for, there's no pink houses in Plumstead. There is. 
there is a pink house. So we rang, rang on the doorbell, and it was all a bit, it was a lot of security. It felt, oh, what are we, this, is, this could go bad, this, is, this sounds scary. Lady answers the door, whose name is Rosalind, which means pink, and she loves pink. And she said, I, I think I must be the one you're looking for, because there's some sickness stuff, and I've been distant from God. See, the, the two stories are about Jesus' heart for two people, and there's other stories that we can tell, but Jesus' heart for two people that he brought our attention to through a word of knowledge to go looking for them, not so that we could have uh, an amazing story of what we did, but that we can have an amazing story about Jesus who really does love people and really does know about a Gemma who wakes up in the morning who just needs a bigger house, who happens to walk down the road at that point, or a Rosalind who's feeling distant from God and doesn't know if, how she can get all the distractions out of the way, and you can come and say, actually, there's a God who gets through all your distractions and brings himself to you, <laughs> that you don't need to get yourself sorted for him. We're here to say, actually, he knows you. And we get to demonstrate that God is good and that God loves people and that God is kind. And we get to demonstrate his love by healing the sick and saying he has power to heal the sick and he knows about your sickness. A God who brings a kingdom in that's got justice, that provides, that he knows about someone's house, he knows about someone's need, he knows about where someone lacks. We get to go and call out the greatness in people and say what you're doing is great like going into a charity shop that had a pushchair, and you're just able to say, what you're doing is great, and, and, and it's great for the community. It's calling out the greatness, the prophetic call on people's lives, that men and women are made in his image, and that may have been distorted through, through sin, or rebellion, or distance from God, but intrinsically who they are is God's masterpiece. They're people who need to know that God loves them and that they're made in his image and that God, through the cross, can bring them into a reconciled relationship with himself. We need to call people back to their original design. People were made and created to walk with God, to know God, to know his love, to depend on God, to trust in God, to lean on God, to be loved by God, to be cherished by God, to become sons and daughters of God, to have an inheritance to have the Holy Spirit within who cries out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, I'm yours. To have intimacy with God and access to God. And then a commission from God. And then signs and wonders and releasing the supernatural are just means of signposting people to him. Just to signpost people to a God who knows them. A God who is aware of them. To point people to God's extravagant love. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we want to be a people that, that if they see us, they've had a glimpse of the Father. That, that, that when they see us and they see that, that we're, we're loving them and there's faith working through love and that we've got solutions to their brokenness and we've got solutions to their need and we've got solutions for their bodies and we've got solutions to the economy and we've got solutions that can release jobs and housing and visas and breakthrough and hope to the hopeless when you've seen us 
oh, let you have a glimpse of the Father. Not in the same way that maybe Jesus was the full, you said, you've seen me, you've seen the full revelation of the Father. But we're growing, aren't we, from glory to glory to glory. The image that they're getting of the Father now through us is growing compared to a year ago. Jesus said in John 17, I share my glory with you. The glory I had with the Father, I'm sharing with you, my church, my disciples. We're glory carriers, and we're going from glory to glory to glory. So when we say in Jesus' name, it's not just a a tag on that we put on the end of a prayer. I want to manifest Jesus. (laughs) I want you, when you see that we came after you, because you've got a double buggy, that this is Jesus' heart for the one. But he goes after the one and he leaves the 99. He loves you and knows about you. So we've got to reveal the saviour. We've got to reveal the saviour as our biggest, greatest priority. And then as we reveal the saviour, it's then safe to reveal that they're a sinner who needs a saviour. But just to tell people that that there's a brokenness and a rottenness and a sin issue, which is needed to be said without presenting to them the saviour. We've only presented half the gospel. Salvation is coming into a relationship with God. That's all salvation is. (coughs) Salvation is you come to know the person of Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Salvation is the Spirit introduces you to Jesus. That's salvation. Salvation is not a list of do's and don'ts or attendance of meetings and church. Salvation is there was a day when Jesus became real to me. And maybe that was in a meeting where you put a hand up. Maybe that was in a meeting where someone asked you to pray a prayer. Maybe that was at home. It may have been many different ways, but ultimately salvation is someone introduced you to the person of God, Jesus Christ, and he touched your heart and he convinced you that the cross has said it all, you're now clean. You can come right into the presence of God without fault or blemish or or stain. It's the moment when Jesus is revealed to us. And we just want to get rid of the supernatural. He's going around to reveal Jesus. To reveal Jesus. Where can I reveal Jesus? Where can I reveal the sufficiency of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the hope that flows from God? Where and how can I do that? That's what we're to be caught up in. That's our, that's our vision. That's our mission. As we go from here, we scatter to bring encounters with God wherever we go. Love opens doors. Love opens doors. You see, we can, we, can, we, can get, we can do certain things through guilt. And we can do certain things because they're exciting for a moment. And we can do certain things because someone tells you to do certain things. But when faith works through love, it will open doors into things that we could hardly ever imagine. Love The love of God will propel you and me to do incredible things. 
His love will push us through inconvenience. His love will push us through the fear of suffering. His love will push us through reality of rejection. We talk a lot about treasure hunting because it's one key that is put on our key ring that we know the Father has given us to bless and reach our community. There are going to be lots of keys that get released by God to bless this community and the communities around. God has pretty put things on your heart to express the love of God that are unique to you. One of them is treasure hunting. See, love will, will cause us to overcome our own timidity. Love will cause us to overcome our own fear of man. Love will cause us to overcome the fear of rejection, the fear of people uh, not accepting what we're bringing. I'm going to invite us to stand. We're going to 